Real Christianity is sponsored by our partners and by the personal injury law offices of Mosley Collins. If you or a loved one are injured, you should call Mosley at 916-444-4444 for help. That's all fours for legal help. For over 25 years, attorney Mosley Collins has been helping families that have suffered serious injury or wrongful death. He represents people seriously hurt in accidents, including automobile crashes, motorcycle crashes, people injured as pedestrians, people who have fallen, and all other serious injury cases. When you're injured, the last thing you need is another bill. That's why if attorney Mosley Collins takes your case, there is never a fee until he wins. Mosley recovers money from insurance companies who have promised to pay if they're insured accidentally hurts you. If your loved one is badly injured, dial 916-444-4444 for help. Just remember, that's all fours for legal help. Welcome to Real Christianity with Mosley Collins, a weekly call to a deeper walk with God. Here's Mosley. Hi, and welcome to today's program. You know, it's always such an honor, such a privilege to be able to come into your life, into your home or into your car and and talk to you about the Word of God. And uh, we're working on a series called Seven Things God Loves to Hear You Say. And uh, what I do each week is we do a little review of the the week's program. we had in the past. The first thing we discussed that God loves to hear you say is to Jesus, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And that's found in Matthew 16, 13. I'll I'll read a portion of it to you. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I, the son of man am? So they said, some say John the Baptist and some Elijah and others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I say to you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So that statement, that realization, that, that uh, sudden understanding that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, that is such a powerful, life-changing realization that it is so powerful. It is so impervious to attack by the devil. It can never be defeated if you hold on to that realization. It is so powerful that upon that revelation, Jesus built his entire church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So that's the first thing God loves us to understand and to say and to confess and to believe. Yes, Jesus is the Christ, the living son of the living God. Now the second one we discussed, the second thing God loves to hear us say is, uh, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And that's found in Luke 18.9. And I'll read a bit of that to you. And Jesus spoke a parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector, also called a publican. And the Pharisee stood and prayed with himself, God, I thank you, I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this 
tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as lift his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. So here Jesus has two men. And he purposely uses a Pharisee and a tax collector because this is going to be shocking to people who understand what these people are. A Pharisee would be today like a deacon in a church, some kind of religious man. A tax collector would be someone who rarely saw the inside of a church, didn't know his Bible. The Pharisee prays, I thank you, God. I'm better than other people, especially that man over there. The tax collector says, God, just be merciful to me. I'm a sinner. And that second man went down to his house justified, that is, just as if he'd never sinned in the sight of God. And so that's why God loves it. When we come to God, not as proud people, not as boasting of our great uh, abilities, but we come to God saying, God, I just pray you have mercy on me, a sinner. And when God hears that, then he justifies us. The third thing we discussed is, I repent. And that's found in Mark 1, 115. In fact, it is found throughout the teaching and ministry of Jesus. He began, the first thing that the, the Gospel of Mark records Jesus saying is this, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. And in the past weeks, we've talked about without repentance, there is no forgiveness. And without repentance, there will be no heaven. So how critical it is for us if we find ourselves uh, wrong with God to repent. And repent means to radically change your thinking. Initially, what that is, is going from a life where I was the center of my life, I made the decisions, I decided what was right and wrong, and I repented of that and became a man who put Jesus as Lord. And then I followed Jesus and let Jesus decide what's right and wrong. And whatever the Bible said, I pledged to live by and to have faith in him and to have faith that Jesus would help me live the life God chose for me. So I repent is critical, and God loves it when people repent. The fourth thing we talked about is, thank you, God. Thank you for all you've done for me. And we took that from the parable, or not the parable, but actually the true story in Luke 17, beginning at verse 11. Let me read that to you. And now it happened as he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And then he entered a certain village, and there met him ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priest. And so as so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned, and with a loud voice glorified God, and fell down on his face, at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, But were there not ten cleansed? And where are the other nine? Were there not any that found, were found that came back to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to him, Arise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. So here, one in ten returned to give thanks to God. And I really believe that only one in ten of us thanks God for the things God does for him. You know, we've talked about how we pray 
that our children will be healed. And when they're healed, we say, oh, it must have been the medicine. We pray for a job. When we get a job, we say, oh, it must have been the resume. We must thank God for the things he's doing for us. We've got to be like the 10th man. And so God loves it when we thank him. We say, I thank you, God. The fifth thing we discussed is God loves to hear it when we say, I love you, Lord. I love you, Jesus. I love you with all my heart and with all my soul and with all my mind and with all my strength. Now, that is what Jesus called the first and great commandment. Now, I want you to notice that true Christianity is not a Sunday-only kind of thing. It's, I shall love the Lord my God with all my heart, with all my soul, and with all my mind. Now, does that sound to you like something you do only on Sunday? No. It's every day. It's 24-7. We're loving the Lord. Now, today we're going to discover the sixth thing that God loves to hear you say. And it is simply this, I believe. I believe in you, Jesus, that you are the way, the truth, and the life, that no man comes to the Father except by you. I believe the Holy Bible is the Word of God and that it is true from cover to cover. I believe everything you said is true and all the promises you have given to me will come to pass. I believe it will be just as you said. We must be people of faith and people of belief. How critical that is. Let me show you something in Matthew 13, 53. I'll turn in my Bibles. And let me read it. And it, it, it illustrates how critical it is that we believe God. Beginning at verse 53, it says, Now it came to pass when Jesus had finished these uh, parables that he departed from thence. And when he had come into his own country, he taught them in their synagogue, so that they were astonished, saying, where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Is this not the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas and his sisters? Are they not all with us? When did this man get all these things? So they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country and in his own house. Now he did not do many mighty works there, because of their unbelief. Now let me read you that last verse again. He did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. How tragic. Let me put, it, put this in perspective and let me make it really personal to you. Let's say your name is Sue. Wouldn't you hate to hear Jesus say, I had many wonderful blessings prepared for Sue, many wonderful works to bless her and prosper her with finances and good health, but I didn't do those mighty works because of her unbelief. Suppose your name is John. Wouldn't you hate to hear Jesus say, I had many wonderful blessings prepared for John, many wonderful works that I intended to do for his marriage, for his children, for his finances, but I didn't do those mighty works because of his unbelief. What a tragedy. Let's look at a similar passage in Mark beginning at chapter 6, verse 1. And here's what the Bible says. Then he went out from there and came to his own country, and his disciples followed him. 
And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get all these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him, that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his own country and among his own relatives and in his own house. Now he could do no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick folk and healed them, and he marveled at their unbelief. Let me read that one more time. He marveled at their unbelief. We don't want Jesus to marvel or be amazed at our unbelief. Now, why did Jesus marvel at their unbelief? Why, did he, why was he so struck by it? Why was he so amazed that they were unbelieving? Because it should have been easy to believe in Jesus. I mean, the passage said he did many mighty works. He taught wonderfully. He accomplished many mighty works with his hands. He healed before coming to this final moment when he couldn't work because of their unbelief. He did many things. And so it should have been easy for them, of all they heard about Jesus, it should have been easy for them to believe in Christ. And today, it should be easy for us to believe in Jesus. It should be easy for us to receive Christ as Savior. And why? Because when we look at the, the things God has done, the creation, the sky, the trees, all the things that show forth his handiwork, we see God there. When we hear sermons and programs like this, we hear the word of God preached. And when we listen to our own hearts, we know Jesus is the Christ. So it should be easy for us. Unbelief, the refusal or failure to believe God is deadly. Let us look at Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7. Beginning there. Let me turn in my Bible to that. And this is talking about unbelief and the consequences of unbelief. And the Bible says, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, in the day of trial, in the wilderness, where your fathers tested me and tried me and saw my work for 40 years. Therefore, I was angry with that generation, and I said, They always go astray in their heart. And they have not known my ways, so I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Beware, brethren, lest there be in you any evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God, but exhort one another daily while, while it is yet called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end, while it is said today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who, having heard, rebelled? Indeed, was it not all those who came out of Egypt, led by Moses? Now with whom was he angry forty years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey? So we see they could not enter in because of unbelief. Let me read that one more time. We see they could not enter into the rest of God, into the promised land of God, because of their unbelief. There's a door that leads to the blessings and provisions and promises of God. And you can't enter that door with unbelief. 
You could only enter that door leading to the promises and blessings of God with belief. By saying and praying what we're talking about today, I believe you, God. This is what God loves to hear us say so he can bless us and take us in. I believe you, God. I believe you're able to do all you have said and all you have promised. That's how you enter. Now let's read an Old Testament passage that was referred to in the passage we just read in Hebrews. And that passage is contained in Numbers, beginning in, at chapter 13. And let me set this up for you just a little bit. God rescued the children of Israel from slavery in Egypt and brought them out with signs and wonders and miracles and plagues on the Egyptians. He led them across the Red Sea as if on dry land. And he killed the pursuing Egyptian when they tried to follow. Now, God promised something to the children of Israel. He said, I'm going to bring you to a promised land. That's why it's called the promised land, because it was a promise of God. A land flowing in milk and honey. And he led him by day with a pillar of smoke and by night with a pillar of fire. He fed him with manna, with miracles and wonders, and still they were infected with unbelief. God said, I will give you the promised land. So they came up to the border, and they sent in 12 spies to check it out. And 10 came back and said, we can't do it. We can't make it. They disregarded the power of God in their life. They forgot about the power they had seen. They forgot about the miracles. And they said, we can't do it. And two came back and said, yes, we can do it. So here, let's look at some of these scriptures. And uh, this is Numbers 13, beginning at verse 25. And this is a little bit of a long passage. I won't go too long, but you know, I'm reading for us here the Word of God. It's not just a book. It's the Word of God. And the Bible says that faith comes by hearing the Word of God. So let's read a little bit of it. Verse uh, 25, And they returned from spying out the land for, after 40 days. And they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran, Kadesh, they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, We went to the land where you sent us, and truly it flows with milk and honey, and there is this fruit. Okay, let me stop here for a minute. It was a great land, a wonderful land God wanted to give them. And here they continue in verse 28. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in that land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there, and the Amicalites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hivites and the Jezebites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and among the banks of the Jordan. In other words, they're saying, this is too hard for us. And Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let's go up at once and take possession of it, for we are able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against this people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land. They had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people whom we saw are men of great stature. All right, let me stop there. This is so, in other words, two came back and said, Yes, we're able to do this. And ten came back and said, No, we can't. And so they decided not to go in and take the land. And God was angry. And he said to them, and this is chapter 14, verse 28. 
Say to them, Moses, as I live, says the Lord, just as you have spoken in my hearing, so will I do to you. The carcasses of you who have complained against me shall fall in the wilderness, and all of you who are numbered according to your entire number from 20 years old and above, except for Caleb, the son of Jephna, and Joshua, the son of Nun, you shall by no means enter into the land I swore I would make you dwell in. But your little ones, whom you have said would be victims, I will bring them in, and they shall know the land which you have despised. But as for you, your carcasses shall fall in the wilderness. So here we have uh, God saying, you, because of your unbelief, you can't enter the land. Now we're going to take a short break here, and let's come back and talk about the kind of faith and the kind of belief that opens the promised land to us. We hope that you're being blessed and encouraged by today's message from Mosley Collins. He's available to speak at your church, Christian group, or Bible study. There's never a charge for his ministry. If you have questions about today's subject or you wish to invite Mosley to come speak to your group, you can reach him at 916-444-4444. You can also request a copy of today's message. Just dial all fours for help or more information. Now let's get back to today's message. You know, we've been talking about belief and unbelief and how God loves it when we pray, I believe you, God. Now, we read about people who couldn't enter in because they didn't please God, they didn't believe God. But I believe for you and for me, we want to please God. And so let's read Hebrews 11:6, which says, without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe, one, that he is, and two, that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So here we see there are two things we must do to please God and be the kind of people who can inherit the promised land and the promises of God for our lives, for our children, for our marriages, and for eternity. First, we must believe God exists, and that's not hard for us. Only the fool has said in his heart there is no God. And the second is we must believe God rewards us when we seek him. Wow, what a wonderful thing that is. God wants you to believe simply this. God, I believe you will reward me when I seek you. Now let me tell you that believing God will help you. Believing that is not a fairy tale. Believing God will reward you, that's not a fairy tale. Believing God will prosper you, that's not a fairy tale. The devil attacks us. Oh, that's too good to be true. In fact, it's too good to be false. Do you want to walk deeper and deeper in God's faith? Do you want the blessings of God more evident in your life? Then you just need to pray with me. Pray out loud with me. Right now, Lord, I believe you exist, and I believe you reward me for seeking you. Now, just sitting here listening to me teach the Bible, that's seeking God. Just praying out loud with me to be a person of faith, that's seeking God. So God will be you will be rewarded by God just for listening and praying with me. If you get up in the morning and you pray, God be with me today, God will reward you. If you stop for lunch and pray, God, bless this meal, God will reward you. If you pray, God, as in, at the end of the day, thank you for today, God will reward you. My brothers and sisters, there's a train pulling out of the station, and this train is bound for glory. This train is bound for victory. You need to be on this train, and you need a ticket. If your ticket says unbelief, you can't get on, you can't ride. 
But if it says, I believe you, God, you're welcome on board. Now, who's on this train? On this train are people who love God, people who love Jesus, people who say, I believe you, God, the meek and the faithful are on this train. People who don't care about Jesus, who are living for themselves, who don't believe God, they can't board this train. So I want you to get on board. I want you to be on board with me because we're bound for glory. And our ticket says, I believe you, God. Thank you. I will see you next week. Thank you for joining us for Real Christianity. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged by today's message from Mosley Collins. If you have questions about today's subject or you'd like to invite Mosley to come speak to your church, Christian group, or Bible study, you can reach him at 916-444-4444. 916-444-4444. Join us again next week at the same time for Real Christianity.